Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We're the best. And we're here. Believe we're here. in Magic Podcast. What's the vibes, Max Van Alkid? We're the best. Who's, does somebody have that slogan already? I feel like they do. I think it's DJ Khaled. I think someone does. Well, yep, when you put it like that, it is DJ Khaled. Um, I must say, Combo, I know you're running a little bit lit, little bit late. I know you have a lot going on. So I just want to say, you know, we always work with your schedule. We're always patient. I know you're big time, but thank you for coming on the show. You know, I'm always grateful for your time. Combo is running late? Okay, though, you know. People don't know how you are behind the scenes. They know how you are on the mic. Behind the scenes, this guy is as bougie as it gets. Is this really happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> this can't be happening. Oh, no, but you know what? You know what? Always say less than necessary. Robert Greenlaw. There you go. You do read a lot of books. I'll give you that one. And then, uh, you know, I keep getting asked, like, how do you do it, Max? You know, I just finished school. I'm getting asked. So let me address the, the people out there. How do you do it? They say it's LeBron and then they say it's Max. And I just want to say, guys, just keep it pushing. Keep it going. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to put myself in the same sense as LeBron and Obama and, and the world, but I do appreciate the support and finished school, and now here we are. So I just needed to get that out the way. An interesting way to start the podcast, for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's on, what's, we... on your, what's on your basketball mind? I feel like the Magic are on a winning streak. They are, and after going to a couple games, uh, I've been obviously back in town, so I've been able to cover them live and in person. There's a lot of um, a lot of things that like you obviously see in person that you wouldn't see on TV. And one well, the thing that pops out to me most is every time I see Bobo warm up or the every time I see Bobo play, like they just have so much length on the court. At one point in time, um, I was turning to my guy Josh and I was like, "Think about it. France is six ten, six nine, six ten. Paulo is six ten. Bobo is seven two. And then they had, I believe they also had out on the wing, they had Mo Bamba on the court at one point in time with that lineup. He played well last game. Yeah, they got, they, they have yeah. the opportunity to play so lanky and so big. It's crazy. And what's weird too, though, is that even when they are lengthy and they are big, the way that they play basketball, it doesn't feel like it's out of order or out of sync because they all, like, Bobo doesn't play like your traditional 7-2 guy. And then Mo Bamba can stretch the floor, like, and Franz, you think of a wing player, and Paolo is kind of like that positionless, power forward type of guy. So I just feel like when you have a team like this, as long as they develop, like the things you can't teach, they have. So as long as you can develop the things you can teach and just get refined, Orlando should be very good. I really do believe that. Yeah, defensively, they've been better. And you're right. There's definitely nothing traditional about any of those players, for sure. Yeah. No, seriously. It's insane. And I, it's Bobo offensively that night i believe the game that i went to was when they defeated the clippers and they were trailing all game and they somehow bounced back and they went in overtime against the clippers and bobo was literally unstoppable like he like no when he his shot was falling you can't guard him you can't block his shot he was like pulling up with confidence free and i was like whoa you just tell at first it was can we ball a chance and now Bobo's like, okay, you gave me the chance, and you could just see the confidence that he's playing with. Would it be disrespectful to give him the most improved player award? Dude, who is why wouldn't he be though? Because he's been good. <laughs> he just yeah. he just got he just got the opportunity. But I mean, 
He's been great for a long time. I mean, I watched him play in summer league, and I know it's just summer league. Like he was doing this back then. So yeah. I mean, the most approved player award should often be called the more opportunity award. Honestly, I mean, because you look at his stats last year, you look into his stats this year. How could you not give it to him? I mean, but he was good last year. He just didn't get the opportunity. But like his good last year, because of opportunity, was what like four points a game. Right. So, yes, he improved, but more so he got more opportunity, right? Right. And I think I, Denver has to be kicking themselves. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. How does he fit in with Jokic and Jamal Murray? I mean, that's another conversation. But when you're just proving to be this good of a talent, this great of a talent, with that much size, you could figure it out, right? You could figure fit out. The question is, what is his ceiling? Because everyone always wants to know, ceiling, 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 how good can they be? And I was talking to a couple people. Some people say legitimate starter. I'm like, so you don't think he could be a star? And they were like, a oh, legitimate starter on a really good team. Is what some of the things I actually I think that if you have a guard-heavy team on a championship contender, right? This I'm talking about championship-level team. He would be an amazing sixth man. Something different, Right. You bring in because usually the mold of the sixth man is that maybe a little bit smaller player, maybe a bucket getter, a guy who maybe not the greatest game manager, maybe not the greatest defender, oh, but he gets he just gets you straight buckets, right? But Manu Bowl, I said Manu Bowl, shouts uh, rest in peace, Manu Bowl. But Bowl Bowl could do that at seven two, and he could play defense. Like imagine him coming off the bench on a championship level team. That's scary. So you could because you could because like. Okay, if you have a star, let's just say like, I don't know, like a Giannis, a Luka, a Tatum, right? They're going to need a majority of the shots, right? Like, I mean, they're going to get – so you could kind of make him your engine for that second unit, plus you don't lose anything on defense? That would be scary for a good team. Scary. I guess – let me ask this, though. What does it take to be a star? And I know it seems maybe like a dumb question, but if he's 7-2 and can do everything that he's doing offensively, what makes – anyone think that he can't be a star yes i mean can't be a star he could be a star but you would almost have to start things over in the way that the orlando magic are right now right like you have to you have to almost build a team around him right and you already have franz and paulo to build this team around so you would kind of have to like um Total rebuild, let's build around Bol Bol. And I don't know if a mm -hmm. team is willing to do that at this point because right. he's not coming into the league, you know, so he doesn't have the same runway as some of these other younger potential stars. But look, One maybe he could be their third star. I, I could see that happening, right? That's what I'm saying. And I'm not, okay, I'm not saying he is this player, but it was something I was just thinking about. When you had Derrick Rose to Chicago Bulls, Jimmy Butler was young, right? And he didn't get his... They didn't build around Jimmy Butler. We never really thought Jimmy Butler was going to be the player he became. Obviously, there are different molds and there are different mindsets. But Jimmy Butler, the more he played, you're like, whoa, wait a second. This guy is actually really, really good. And before you know it, Jimmy Butler arises and becomes the star that he is. Bobo, obviously, I'm not saying he's Jimmy Butler, but he's a player that you're like, okay, he's pretty nice. He's a nice piece. But the more he plays, it seems like the more impressed we get. And so I'm curious to see like what would it take for people to – recognize him and look at him as a guy who is that same sense as, Hey, our young core, Paulo, France, Bobo, like people that you could see not only a future with, but maybe star potential. Cause Paulo, we see star potential. 
even France were like, hey, he could be, I don't know if you want to say like a, maybe a superstar, but I could see him really contributing on a very special team. And it's like, I feel like for some reason with Bobo, people are very hesitant to say that. And that's why I was just curious why. Okay, I think also he's going to have to be on a winning team before anybody calls him a star. Not saying he's not a star before then. And the second thing is, even though we don't think of fit and star in the same sentence, how will he fit around other good players? I think is a big question for him, right? Because obviously he has all this talent. It's just how is he going to play functionally on a winning team? And I believe in him, man. From what I'm seeing, he's different. And what's really impressive that nobody talks about is when I, I go back to this Nets game, defensively there's guys that can't get a shot off of him. Good NBA players that can't even get a shot off of him when he's guarding them on the perimeter. So he's special on both sides of the floor. Yeah, I I really like Bobo. Now, this Magic team without Wendell Carter Jr. does not rebound it well. Like, even with all the height that they have and the length, they don't rebound it the same. Like, they clearly miss Wendell Carter Jr. in the paint, big time. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know who's actually not getting enough praise here? Franz Wagner, because he took a step up when it comes to him just looking more like a veteran, the game slowing down. The game slowed down for him basically right away when he came into the league, but I think it's even more of that now. Like, he's getting star treatment. They're throwing doubles at him, and he's making the right reads. So he all, he seems like their most veteran-like player at this point. Obviously, mm-hmm. Paulo is going to be their star going forward, their superstar. But Franz is just making advanced reads at such a young age, and I think he's making up for some of what they're they're missing with Wendell because Wendell's that hub at the top sometimes playing that like that point-forward type role. But, um, yeah, you're right. They have to be better on the boards. Paulo has to be a little bit better on the boards, I think, even though I know we're asking a lot from him. They, it has to be a collaborative effort. Even Bol Bol, Franz himself, they all have to pick up a little bit of that slack. But the defense has been a lot better as well. There you have it. They have a bright future combo. They do. Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, oh, my God. Like, they can be absolutely scary if things go the right way. They can be as absolutely scary. And I'm not just saying that because we're the co-hosts of the Believe in Magic podcast. Like, I really thought about this. Like, if things go the right way, yeah, that could even get scarier, right? <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah. um, but even besides that, if you make some great roster moves in the offseason, they could be really scary, man. They could be really scary. Yeah, everyone really wants a young team. Like, that's the attractive thing now. You want young guys, young players, young assets. And, like, Orlando has a plethora of them. And so if they just develop right, like you said, you just tweak the roster a little bit. You just they have to create that culture where people take them seriously. And so yeah. then this can attract some type of free agent. I'm not saying free agent is the answer, but just to be a little bit appealing to someone who's, oh, should I sign here? Should I not? But you see this young core. You see that these people are getting better. It's like there's a couple of veterans or a couple of people like, hey, I, I would want to play there. No state tax. It's Orlando. It's Florida. Young players. It should be more appealing. Yeah, it should be. I like Orlando. I've been there once. I was on a cruise, though, so I only got to be there for a... But, I mean, I got to see the town, you know? We walked around. We went to a few establishments. It was cool. I like Orlando. Orlando's cool, man. The roads are never done. That's my biggest complaint. That's New York York City, too. Come on, man. Someone needs to hold them accountable. Well, I mean, I think when you have a city... uh, Not to bring this to New York, even though I bring probably bring everything to New York because I'm a New Yorker, but, like, when you have a city this big, I know everybody complains about the roads, but, like, there's always going to be some kind of problem when there's that many roads, that many people, right? That much traffic. That makes sense, Combo. I don't know. New York feel like they... People walk with a pep in their... Like, even if I don't know what you're doing, 
feel like you're being productive. In Orlando, I don't know, man. I just think twice. I don't give you the benefit of the doubt here in Orlando. Florida's very lackadaisical. Go with the wind. You know what I mean? New York has a purpose. You know, it's crazy because a lot of times when people move from New York, they thrive because they have that mentality Mm -hmm. that kind of they don't have in other places, right? So nobody else has it around them, but they have that hustle and bustle and they really thrive when they leave. I have New York in my blood combo. That's where my family's from. That's, that's why, why we I... get along so long, man. I'm not a I'm not Wait, a... what I what I just say that's that's why we get along so well. I know what I you meant. Know. I'm not a typical Floridian. I have the New York DNA, but I have the laid back approach of a Floridian. I got a question for you and we got to get back to um We'll get to some other NBA topics in a second. Do you feel like you look at conversations and hear yourself talking so much more since becoming a podcaster? Like every word, every pause, you can like hear everything. Yeah, right? absolutely. And then there's a lot of bad podcasters out there. I'll tell you that much because the way that I'm having <laughs> these conversations, like, oh man, I'll be in the everyday world. I'm like, you just completely interrupted my train of thought. And so I'm like, all right, let me just take a step back. This isn't a podcast. Well, that's part of the skill of podcasting. When somebody interrupts your train of thought, you got to get right back on that train. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I definitely I'm here with you. I agree with that. But I have a question for you. This makes absolutely no sense what's been happening. Uh, Anthony Davis. I don't even know if we've really talked about it. So the guy goes on a complete first. Let me give him his flowers because I know I've been very critical of Anthony Davis. I've been talking about trading Anthony Davis. So first and foremost, the dude calling. He has been playing like the Anthony Davis we always wanted him to play like. So I've never questioned his ability to do this. That's why I have been critical of him. I think that's why people are frustrated with him because we know this type of Anthony Davis is there. We just haven't seen it in such a long time. My question for you is, because I know you play basketball. Oh, I do? Where did this come from? You know what I mean? Like, he's always had this. First of all, all, I want to let everybody know I'm the epitome and I know uh, this this um, slogan, not to take it away from Anthony Davis and bring it to me. I know it's kind of like a Cordy slogan of Ball's life, but I'm the epitome of that. Keep going, Max. All right. Um, so Anthony Davis goes on this monster streak, and then all of a sudden the conversation gets a lot better. The Lakers aren't as terrible, granted the teams that they're beating, but the Lakers still have issues. But when you see Anthony Davis play like a top five player in the world, you still have LeBron James in year 20 who could be the best player in moments, but still is an amazing player. You're like, okay, like they could beat the Milwaukee Bucks, even if the Bucks are having a great game with Giannis and Middleton and Holiday. So at their peak of powers, the Lakers can beat the best teams because of the talent that they have. But this is all contingent on Anthony Davis. And that's the most frustrating thing is because we don't always get this Anthony Davis. So the two-part question is, where did this burst of energy come from? And two, Will the Lakers, or specifically Anthony Davis, be able to maintain it? James Harden, Luka Doncic, Anthony Davis. I always talk about this. They don't come into the season in shape often. Luka did this year, actually. But at times, they have to play themselves into shape before they start showing their real self. From what I understand, from what I gather from people, Anthony Davis is a not really like an off-season, work-hard kind of guy. He's just like a hooper. Like He just comes in and he hoops. Right. And What'd you say? Grinds my gears. I'm sorry. Keep going. You know, but but there's just different kinds of people with different kinds of mentalities. That's why Kobe and Shaq clashed, right? And what works for one person might not work for another. If Shaq had Kobe's work ethic, his body might have broke down. Who knows? He might have not even been able to play for that look. Like, what mm-hmm. works for one person doesn't work for another. 
Now I'm a gym rat kind of guy, me myself. Like I love being in the gym. I had that like obsessive personality. So I relate to people with from that kind of mold the most. But I've seen people be successful where they're just professionals, right? They do the right thing. They go to the court and that's it. They're professional. I, I would say there's three types of players. There's the obsessive guys. There's the professionals. And then there's guys who don't do enough, right? And from what I understand, Anthony Davis is kind of in between the don't do enough and the professionals. But just how talented he is, how much talent he has, allows him to be this MVP candidate when he does get in shape, right? So it took us some time. But yeah, when he's playing at this level, I mean, they're a contender. If you ask a smart basketball person, who are you taking for one series, for one game in the whole entire league? A lot of people will take LeBron James. The thing is, with his age, can he keep that up for an entire regular season? Probably not. But when you have a guy like LeBron James, who is going to break the scoring record this year, who's obviously one or two in everybody's all-time list. We're not going to get into that. Maybe not everybody's. I, what if Paul Pierce has them six or something? Whatever. Yeah, that doesn't count. Uh, that, list yeah. doesn't count. <laughs> that list doesn't count. But um, <laughs> yeah, if you have top two, if you have two top five guys, regardless of fit, you could defy the odds and win a championship. It's possible. Because LeBron could take it to another level. LeBron could still take it to another level where he's the top guy on this team, even if Anthony Davis is playing like this. So when you have two guys like that, if you have Anthony Davis playing like this and he's the second guy in a playoff series, that's scary. Exactly. And now if they do tweak it, they do add <clears> – the question they need, is they – de They definitely need to add another shooter, a movement shooter. Would you – at this point, because, again, how we gave Anthony Davis his credit, and I know we've done this before, but I'll do it again. Russell Westbrook deserves his credit as well and his flowers for being able to embrace that six-man role. Clearly, he's been playing better. The conversation has completely pivoted where we're not as critical. No one's focusing on Russell Westbrook as much. He's embraced that role. Would you still consider trading Westbrook for some shooters, or do you like the position that he's in because he's that six-man you have LeBron and Anthony Davis playing this well. Russell Westbrook's your sixth man. So then that really leaves you to your what you're relying on to require shooters is trading none in Beverly. And what are you really going to get with that? Russell Westbrook, I guess there's an argument that his trade value is a little bit higher now, right? So, yes. So maybe you could get a little bit more for him. I don't know what NBA team he fits on outside of the Lakers right now anyway, right? Like a tanking team, I don't know if they want him. Uh, I, I talked about this before. A contending team, I don't know if you really want him. But it's probably a team he could help out there, I'm sure. But I would keep Russell Westbrook and try to think outside of the box. Think about somebody that nobody's thinking about, like a surprise move. There's people out there that could defend and shoot the ball. You just have to think. You have to think. You have to put your thinking cap on. And I feel like that Anthony Davis and LeBron, they defied the odds winning that championship because the GMs, the decision makers, haven't done a great job there when it comes to making the right moves. Like, they should have prioritized keeping KCP and Alex Crusoe. You need to find a guy like that. Like, how the Miami Heat find these uh, diamonds in the rough? They need to find that in a trade and keep Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. Because Russell, Russ is embracing his role. And that's scary off the bench. It, he could probably take it to even another level himself. Because... This is just the beginning of it. This is just the beginning of him taking on this role. Maybe he could find ways to improve on that role. So I would try and think outside of the box, bring in a guy who's a movement shooter and could, and could defend. I agree with that. I really do because 
as critical as we've been of Russell Westbrook or as bad as he's played at times, him being able to create for others and him being able to create a shot is just such a rare thing that he still has. And so to have that as a six man and to come off the bench with that on top of what and you have. And he's, he's embracing it, right? So Yeah, exactly. So I would actually keep Russell Westbrook at this point. Um, the next one I wanted to get into. It's almost like it's almost like you had him when everything was bad. Now things are good. You're going to trade him? Nah. You know what I mean? Nah, don't do that. I know what you mean, Combo. We're the basketball gurus right now. So a dark horse that I predicted this season because I love the coach. I thought he was one of the coaches of the year last year. I think he was actually going to be my pick for coach of the year this year. Got to go back at the tweets. Um, coach Willie Green and the Pelicans. How about, Mike, how about Mike Brown? Mike Brown's doing it. But the Pelicans, yeah, they're, 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 eight, they're the number one seed in the Western Conference combo, and they're destroying teams. Zion is playing like an MVP candidate. Shouts to my guy, Mark, Mike Mercedes. You don't know him. Because I, before the season, I told him that I'd rather have Zion for the rest of his career than Tatum. I voted that on your story. Yeah. So, and then he keeps sending me this question when we're having this debate. And I don't like to debate too much on DM, but he's a really close friend of mine. So I engage. But he, his question always goes back to, and I usually ignore him, but is Zion better than Tatum? But So I just ignore him because he didn't listen to what I said in the, in the instance. And then when I tell him what I said, he said I switched up. So I, I try not to engage in these conversations too much. But every time there's something, every time Zion does something great, I send it to him just to, you know, bother him a little bit. But, you know, Zion is playing at a crazy MVP level right now. He's averaging 30, around 30 or 30 points a game. And I think it's eight wins in a row. So he has such a unique skill set. And in my opinion, I'd rather have him for the rest of my career over Tatum, even though I deviated from your question, Max. 100% agree with you. His upside is higher than Tatum. Zion in his last couple of games, 33, 30, 25, 29, 35, 35, and then just the way that he plays. So it's not even just the number. It's how he impacts the game of basketball. It's like I've always been a huge fan of Zion since high school, and I know there's a lot of people who obviously he's not like just like an underrated player. Everyone has their eyes on Zion, especially after leaving Duke. But when he plays like this and you have Brandon Ingram and you're so well coached and you have such a young core, this is like exactly why I still believe Zion Williamson was the right pick over John Moran. They're both amazing picks. I love both of them. And if you say, Jaw, you're not crazy to me, but this upside you get when Zion is healthy, it's like there's only a handful of players I would take over him. Yes, yes. Uh, like to start your franchise, right? I think – the answer would be Luca, and I can't really think of anybody else to start my franchise. I think the answer is Luca. Um, Giannis is still young enough where you know, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the guys like KD and Steph, they're a little bit older, so you don't want to start your franchise right now around them, right? Right. Like you're not going to pick KD or Steph, right? I mean, no, those guys, no. those guys are better than those guys, but. Yeah, I'm not picking. Actually, them I don't know. Luca, Luca's the best player in the world, but that's a whole con other conversation. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, no, I agree with you, man. If you want to start your franchise around, and now if you if you want to even say on top of that, let's say just for a thought exercise, everybody stays healthy, right? We're gonna give health to everybody, right? No matter what, Zaya's a no brainer. Like, oh yeah, it's a no brainer. The two yeah. questions. So the first one is, I'm not to sound like an old head here, 
But when you see someone average 30 points per game, it doesn't really feel the same, right? It doesn't hit the same as it did a couple of years ago because there's just so many people doing it now. So, I mean, I'm impressed gotcha. with the 30 points per game, but it feels a little different. I don't know. When I saw that 30 mark, like KD hit it one year, I was like, bro, KD just averaged 30 points in a season. Like before the leading scores was like 28 was pretty high. And then it was like 27. LeBron was like 26 every year. I I'm mean, like, if 30 mark, what? Okay, 30. It fluctuates though, bro. Like uh, Jordan was averaging thirty-seven before he was yeah. at that. So, why do you why do you hate on Michael Jordan? It's so crazy. I love Michael Jordan. I really do. But man, it, I, I mean, I he think... averaged he averaged thirty-seven when nobody was kind of. But anyway, it fluctuates. Like Wilt was averaging fifty. Come on, hey. but I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait, come on, rest in peace, Will, man. Show respect, show respect hey. to the greats, man. <clears throat> Bradley Beal was averaging thirty not too long ago. This is what gets me. You are right, very quick. Okay, um, here. So here's the other conversation, though. Like we say, it's tough to average thirty. Then when somebody averages thirty, we say it's easier now. You know. So that's the other. That's the other side of the conversation. Like thirty's tough. Like thirty's tough. Like one time, one time I dropped fifty. In um, you know, I was coming back from overseas. I play in rec leagues, right? While I'm, and you know, somebody was like, we were in a group chat. Somebody was like, but look who he, who our team was way better. He was like, look who we were playing against. And somebody else in the group chat, he's like, fifty is fifty. I don't care who you're playing against. So I mean, like thirty. That's I've been bringing this back to me a lot lately. But anyway, it's combo. But but averaging, but averaging thirty actually kind of shows. What kind of shape you're in as well, right? That's not easy. Like that's tiring to average thirty. I yeah, I'm not here to take away any shine from anyone averaging thirty. But the one thing I'm going to say, and this is going to upset a lot of old heads because I know a lot of them. I'm sure if they listen to this podcast, they think I'm a Michael Jordan hater. I'm not a Michael Jordan hater. I think he's the second best basketball player of all time. That's amazing. The only thing I'm saying is, when we say Wilt Chamberlain averages fifty, we all kind of squint our eyes a little bit, right? We're all like, okay, he averaged fifty. Nah, I don't. But for some reason, I don't. I, I don't split like, my eyes. But we all are able to take some things because you're just a hoop head. But we all take things like with a little bit of perspective. But for some reason, with Michael Jordan, like we don't at all. And it's like if the league was so different from Will Chamberlain, so we don't value his 100 points and 50 points. Because if we did, why is he not the goat? He did. He has damn near every record in the NBA. But we kind of bring some context into it. Look at who he's playing. Why don't we do that a little bit with Michael Jordan? Just a little bit. I'm not saying he couldn't average 37 today, but my point is the competition on who was guarding him on the wing, not as a big on the wing, we never talk about that, like ever. Besides Gary Payton, who's really guarding Michael Jordan on the perimeter? Dominique Wilkins. But he wasn't even known as a defender. Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman. Those Those Jordan rules were crazy the way they were hacking that guy. Dennis Rodman was a big no, he could slide his feet with anybody. He was a great defender. But he'd be I'm a great. He would be a great defender today. I'll tell you, Jordan guys, and I'm, I'm, I understand Dennis Rodman's a great defender. But I mean, I'm talking about guards who play defense. Besides- he was such a great defender. He was such a great defender. Jordan said, "Hey, come play with me. I don't care what you do. You could act crazy when you're not playing. Come play with me." But we hate when LeBron does that. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? You see what I'm saying? We, it's, oh, it's just such a double standard. But listen, I love Michael. I think. All he's right. Here's the thing about the Jordan LeBron debate. Can somebody admit it's close? 
Like that's all I want. That's all I want. No, but both sides always go like it's not even close, which is ridiculous. It's I close. think it's razor close. I think it's razor close. Close. I think it's preference. Honestly, it's how you want your guy to be. But you have LeBron. I do personally have LeBron James. I just feel like if you take all bias aside and you stop saying six and zero, oh, and you just look at who's a better basketball player, I truly believe LeBron's just a better basketball player, and he does more things well on the court. It's fair. It's fair. That's all. That's it. But everyone's like, oh, but six and zero. Oh. It's like so. Does falling in third or fifth place not count? Like, wouldn't you tell your son? I rather. Obviously, you want to finish first. But if you finish in second, I, would you tell your son, I'd rather you finish in fifth or sixth than second place because you're not first? Like, no. But for some reason, when Michael Jordan nah, loses. No, no, no. Baby combo got to finish in first. You heard? I love that. I understand. But if you finish second in the finals versus getting bounced in the first round or never winning a playoff series without Scottie Pippins, like, we just don't count that on his record at all. Like, we don't even think about the Wizards. But for some reason, we hold LeBron so high on the Lakers. That's all I'm saying. Just, I just want we to say finish, like, we we finished with the goat debate. That's great for ratings, right? That's what everybody wants to hear. So that's yeah. awesome. But um, that was good, man. That was good. I know, and I'm gonna upset a lot of people. I love Michael Jordan. His mentality, I prefer over LeBron's mentality. So I I, I like that. I like being. You know, the- you know, it's great. See, like when you say things like that, it's a nuanced opinion, and people just can't. A lot of people can't have that these days. Yeah, man. I got into you it. Can't have like- a nuanced opinion, like. If you say something nuanced, they try and figure out which extreme you're coming from. Right. And I'm just in the middle. I seriously love Michael Jordan. I can't tell you how many times I watched The Last Dance. Like, I, So if you say Jordan's better than LeBron, I'm not like, oh, my God, how could you think that? Like, I understand it. All I'm trying to do is just, can we just and, look at both sides? That's it. Yeah. Um, I noticed that usually the opinion matters on how old the person is of said opinion yeah yeah so i mean it, it is what it is but i got to see both players play um and I you think that- I, I i got to see mj in person drop 55 my dad took me to that game and it was easy to get tickets back then at that specific time because when he got the tickets jordan was playing baseball he was retired you get it he got him yeah. early so it wasn't so hard to get the bulls tickets then he came back and we had the tickets already so shouts to my dad, man. Rest in peace. Love him. So he was really like that, huh? 55 in the garden. He Wild. was tough. Oh, my God. Just get to your spot. And that was like, yeah, that was like not even Jordan at his peak dropping 55 because he was coming right off of baseball. And, you know, the funny thing is the Knicks players played so hard and he made it look so easy and so graceful. Yeah, he, he's amazing, man. So all the people that are screaming at your TV right now or wherever you're listening to this podcast – before you hit that download and subscribe button, just think about it. Before you go and attack me, I'm a Jordan fan. I do love Michael Jordan. He's one of the best to ever do it. All I'm asking is just to keep the same energy on both sides. That's it. Keep that same energy. You heard. All right. Combo. I think this was a great show. Um, yeah, alley I'll dunk it home. Uh, find Max Van Auken on Instagram at Max underscore Van underscore Auken. You can find me on Instagram at one two combo. You know, go subscribe to the MVP podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Go subscribe to Combo's Court wherever you listen to podcasts. And for the Believe in Magic, punch down on that subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Don't forget to rate, review. And as I said already, punch down on that subscribe button. Max, we're out of here. We're out. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.